MFs. What the fuck is going on? Hustle Like You Broke. Recording August 25. Aiming to air today's episode on September 1. September 1 is a date we have talked about before. It is the date of the Red Alert restart launch where hopefully this evening as our listeners are listening in we'll be able to look out their windows on cities across America and we'll see buildings lit up in red as a show of solidarity to those of us in the live events industry that are struggling through this coronation this never-ending groundhog day Which is not to say there isn't anything happening in the world, because one thing that I hope is under much better control by the time we air are the California wildfires that seem to be engulfing Northern California. Wishing the best to all our friends out there, hoping they are breathing clean air. Last I understood, the fires are only about 25% contained. But dear leader did indicate he might finally issue a disaster declaration. Hopefully that has happened. Hopefully things are much better. I presume all of you Californians will be kissing his ring and showing a public display of thanks and praise in honor of his awe-inspiring prowess. And... By the time we air, again, we will be two weeks removed from the DNC, where a lot of high-minded intellectuals spoke up. Sadly, it was kind of in with a whisper, out like an Irish goodbye, as far as I'm concerned. Came and went. Everyone says Biden is up to the task, proved that he too could most likely pass one of those awe-inspiring tests that uh, Doofus in Charge took a few weeks ago. Seems he is not losing it, thank goodness. But happening right now as we record, one week in the rear view to our listeners is the RNC, which, frankly, not surprised, is much better television They actually hired television producers to make it entertaining. Speakers are saying God only knows what the fuck. I mean, as far as I understand it, to them, it's opposites week. Lie through your fucking teeth. Say the opposite of reality. Keep those uh, Trumpers drinking the Kool-Aid, believing that fascism is not what's actually happening in this country, believing that it's actually those on the left that are propagating the lies. Because again, it's opposite this week. Now, one group of people that are not treating this week like opposites week, unfortunately, are the boys in blue. For them, it's just fucking business as usual, I guess. Everybody now has heard the story out of Kenosha, Wisconsin. Another unarmed 
black man, shot in front of his children for getting back into his car after apparently breaking up a fight. I don't even know where to go with this shit. Talk about Groundhog Day all over again. In good news, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say, Greta Thunberg is back in school. I thank goodness for that. That made headlines today. Again, today, August 25. And, and I'm really happy for Greta. I mean, it's, it's so important that, you know, she, she be getting that in-person education because, of course, all children need in-person learning experiences. I mean, oh, wait. My kids are back to remote. But then there are colleges opening, or as I like to say, COVID colleges opening across the land. Talked before about North Carolina, 120 kids infected in the first week. Just came out Ohio State suspended, first week of on campus, suspended 228 students for violating social distancing and mask wearing policies. Closer to my home in Boston Northeastern University also announced last week that they were open to suspending or I believe even removing scholarships for anyone caught in violation of policy. I mean, if you didn't want these kids coming together and partying, stop putting the fucking school in front of the students on your list of importance. We know what the fuck kids are going to do when they go to college. I know what I did. Give another shout out actually to Bobby Schneider and his daughter Sophie. I hope she is listening in because I still think she is doing the smartest thing I have heard out of anybody going back to college this fall. She and five friends are renting a house in Vermont. They are going to be essentially living in a bubble in an area that is otherwise not seeing widespread infection. And they're going to be having their own form of college experience while online distant learning to their respective institutions. And to me, that's the smartest thing I've heard. I, I mean, kudos to, to Sophie, kudos to Bobby. I just, uh, I'm big on that. In a bit of sad news, on the other hand, sorry to report the passing of Anthony, the Prince Spaghetti Kid. Dallas, do you remember these commercials? No, I do not. Come on. Really? Uh, what, Anthony! What, what Anthony! Why would I know this? No. Those were like weren't some of the most memorable commercials from our childhood. The mother calling out across the streets. Of I didn't grow up here. The North End every Wednesday is Prince Spaghetti Night. Yada, yada. You don't remember I this? Up, I didn't grow up here. Sure. That's all you. Mm-mm, that's all you. Really? I'm the only one who remembers this? Yeah, from Boston stuff. things. Yeah, you're on the island, remember? Yeah, that island. <laughs> That's some bullshit. And Kyle, I hadn't even brought you the fuck out yet, so you stand the fuck down and, and, and you wait your turn, motherfucker. Y'all, it's Tuesday. Yeah. It's Tuesday. Lakers. Lakers. <laughs> We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Now, now slow down. You're, you're getting ahead of me now. See, this is why you. Uh, I'm going to hit the mute button and you just need to wait. Your motherfucking turn. You forget I mix it. I add audio later. 
I know that I can't stop you anyway, and that's okay. I embrace it. I embrace it. But before I get to your Lakers, I, I do want to say an equally sad news. There has been a COVID outbreak to hit the nudist colony in France's naked city. And I mean, who could have seen that coming? Think they're wearing masks there, Kyle? No, because they're naked. <laughs> you got to have that ass out. You can't have a mask and ass. <laughs> well, meanwhile, meanwhile, back to the United States. I don't know if y'all have seen this, but KFC has admitted their famous finger licking good slogan is not quite right for the era of face masks. So they are officially going to be launching a new advertising campaign to change the focus. And to them, I just got to say, I got a better idea. How about you consider helping the fucking cause and instead of changing your slogan, you say, hey, all you dumb motherfuckers out there, wash your fucking hands. Before you eat your chicken, so you can still lick your fucking fingers, and then maybe wash them again before you go back to work. What do you think about that, Kyle? Post finger licking good. There it is. Lick them and wash them. I mean, we've had this conversation many times before about whether or not people are actually washing their hands before and after they go back to work. And that is a negative. Dirty hand entertainment. I mean, maybe the problem for KFC is they can't get their employees to wash their hands. Uh, I wouldn't say that. That might be a lawsuit on the horizon. You may want to take that back. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying it's the case. I'm just wondering, like, why can't we focus on the problems of the world? Why can't we embrace reality and use their platform and instead of suggesting people not lick their fingers, suggest they figure out a safe and healthy way to do it? You can't suggest shit in these days. People can't even wear a damn mask. So this is make any suggestion. And wearing a mask was a suggestion to stop people from getting that shit. But nobody wants to listen. So, you know, damn all that. Well, moving on. Lakers. In sports, Lakers are now up 3-1 as of today, August 25. Yes, LeBron did put on a show in last night's game. They do appear poised to win their first round matchup. I will say, of course, my Celtics swept the Sixers in style. The Lakers did drop their first one, but that's okay. I'm going to give it to you. They do look like they're going to win, but here's what I want to know, Kyle. This is what I want to know. Is it possible when LeBron doesn't have an audience to cry to, he actually puts his head down and plays basketball? Well, the NBA in itself is soft right now, so everybody cries. But I will say he has changed his mentality, and he's playing like a man. He's playing big boy basketball now. Um, AD is playing big boy basketball. You know, and the Lakers are now, they, their shots are falling. Before, they had great open looks and it was missing everything. But last couple games, 
they've uh, they got their scope together, and the balls are and the nets is uh, the balls are dropping, and the defense is is still stellar. So gotta embrace it. I know you hate it. You said the legs gonna get wore out after they got beat game one, which I said, yo, that was game one, and now all of a sudden the whole timber has changed, like I knew it would. Well, first of all, I don't hate it. I love it. Second of all, I just like busting your balls. And third of all, <laughs> I don't think you're going to disagree with me on this one, but you can. There is no question in the world that LeBron is one of the most gifted basketball players of all time, both physically and 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 just in terms of his overall skill sets. But mentally, he has always been a question mark. He is his own worst enemy. He can't get out of his own fucking way, which is a question, by the way, we're going to ask today's guest in a little bit. LeBron is like this. He has the physicality to make all the, to do all these numbers, everything he's done. I can't take anything that way from him. But he doesn't have, in my opinion, the killer mentality. He might stab you, but he won't put the knife in you and turn it. Whereas Kobe would turn it, turn it, turn it, and make sure you're dead 50 times over. Exactly. And and Jordan. Jordan had that Jordan. will to win oh, that Jordan. LeBron does not have. The Jordan's like, yo, fuck all y'all. We're going to win. Let's do it by any means necessary. LeBron, it's a little different. And again, it's a different you know, era. Like, again, this league is soft. My personal opinion, LeBron and all these cats who are pulling up these killer numbers – couldn't have done this back in the days where there was closed line basketball. They don't have, they don't have that in their DNA. But for today's delicate NBA, hey, they're doing what they do. Speaking of soft, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but Dwight Howard is sitting this postseason out. Is that right? He didn't go into the bubble, right? You lost your mind. Dwight Howard is hooping. Is he? Yes, you uh, you know you must not be watching these games. What are you uh, talking to be about? honest with you? I haven't. I haven't oh. been watching the Lakers games. I've just been reading up and and I just remember how Dwight saying early on that he wasn't in. And, and I mean, let's be honest, he is one of the softest players in the game. He had, talk about a beast who would sooner like do a finger roll than dunk it on anybody. In and and fucking that was miss it that, every that time. was that was uh, Dwight Howard, one Laker. 2.0 Laker, um, Dwight is a monster. Well, I I guess I will tune in as as we get deeper into the playoffs. I will be watching. No, see, no, 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 no. You need to either watch now or don't. Don't talk to me after, yeah, they're looking good now. No, I need you to be on board from the beginning. I'm going to be what the fuck I want to be, and you're going to just <laughs> fucking shut up and like it. How about yeah, that? It Mr. Walt, the bitter bastard has spoken. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell you how to be. You don't have to tell me. It's all good. It's all love. There you know is. I appreciate you. I admitted straight up that I haven't been watching the games. Uh-huh. I wouldn't watch. I've been watching. I watched the Celtics games. I've not watched the Lakers games yet. I will watch as we get deeper into the playoffs. But right now, it's not my priority. Hey, there it is. There it is. But moving on in sports, the Miami Dolphins have come out saying their homeowner, they will host 13,000 fans, about 20% of their stadium capacity. You got any thoughts on that with your hometown team, Dallas? I mean, if it, if we can make it happen, 
it's a you know great they're leading the charge I guess, but uh, you know I trust them. It's a well-run facility. I think if they can, if anybody can do it, that's a, definitely a venue that can do it. But otherwise, I really don't know. Well, you are a kind soul for trusting them. I don't trust them at all. 15 of the NFL's 32 teams have ruled out spectators for the start of the seasons. The Dolphins are one of eight so far as of today, August 25, exploring a limited number of spectators. The rest have not announced plans yet. And to me, again, it just goes back to an absence of leadership coming from the top in terms of consistency in terms of exploring the best approach to doing this. I don't think any one of those teams is thinking this is the best thing for our fans. This is the best thing for our players. They're thinking, let's see how much money we can make. And 20% is better than 0%. So fuck it. We're willing to risk those 13,000 people's lives. And if you don't believe me, Listen to the shit Roger Goodell has been saying lately, not about what's happening in terms of spectators, but recently in a commercial, the commissioner of a league in which more than two-thirds of the players are black says the reason he had a problem with the kneeling protests in 2018 was because he was unaware of the extent of social injustice in the United States. He just didn't know. So when players began protesting police brutality and racism, he just assumed they just didn't know. They didn't have the facts. They were being selfish. They were the ones who didn't get it. But no, you dumb fuck. It's you, Goodell. Just like you, dear leader, who don't, know what the fuck is going on and are intent on doing shit exactly backwards. And to anyone who still questions beyond a shadow of a doubt, if COVID-19 is something that you can run away from, Usain Bolt tested positive. What about that, Kyle? That I did not know. That's news to me. I've kind of been disconnected a little bit from kind of social media and that, but I do. Wow. He's faster than lightning, but it can be faster than a Corona. Damn. Exactly. Meanwhile, I leave the music news for last because frankly, per usual, There isn't a whole lot of it to report, certainly not when it comes to what's happening in the concert industry. I opened up Polestar, leading trade publication, focused on the concert industry this morning, just as I do every day. There were literally zero articles about live performances today, zero. Not even a driving concert, not even a virtual concert. Although there was run reference to a company called Melody VR. Now, Melody VR has actually been on the cutting edge of VR for for a while now. They were doing shows going back the last couple of years. I'm trying to remember if they're the company that's partnered with Live Nation. I know they've done some some very big 
concerts where there were live audiences and they added an additional VR platform. But this announcement today came out that they have decided to acquire Napster. Is anybody using fucking Napster anymore? Dallas, did you know Napster is still a thing? No, I did not. I mean, what? Next they're going to decide to go into gaming and maybe they'll buy Commodore and bring back the Commodore 64? 128, that was a better one. Seriously? That's... <laughs> the Commodore 128, that's what you want to talk about? Well, that was an amazing computer. Got it. Well, as I said before, the silver lining, the bright light, the one thing that is happening in the concert industry is the growing number of people who are working to create awareness. We talked about today, September 1st, date of airing, being the date of the Red Alert Restart Act. We've talked about the Save Our Stages Act, which House Minority Leader Chuck Schumer is a part of. There's also NEDO. I hate the name NEDO. I, I understand it's an acronym, but the term NEDO is just ridiculous to me. But the National Independent Talent Organization, one of the founders, Tom Chauncey, great agent, owner of Partisan Arts, kudos to Tom. They are, uh, they are doing their thing, and they are not only trying to attract the attention and help the talent alone, they're also working to find assistance for crew, for other live touring entities. On our websites, we will be adding links to all of the following. So anyone that wishes to be a part of NEDO, you can join. It's free. And you'll find the link at hustleikeyoubroke.com. There you have a take action tool available where you can get direct communication and can directly communicate with our representatives on Capitol Hill. There's also the NEVA organization, Nation, Nations Venue, National Independent Venue Association. There is NAM, the National Association of Music Merchants. And I just, I think everybody needs to be looking in on all of these resources, seeing what you can do to help. We've talked about emboldening our community, coming together, doing what we can, not just for ourselves, for our future. We've talked about coming together in advance of this election and looking ahead to what all we can do to mobilize. So please check out NEDO, check out NEVA, check out NAM. Go to our website for more information if you don't otherwise know where to find them. We also did talk on the last episode. Anybody that wants to have a personal conversation about these things, we will happily give you Kyle's phone number. You can call him directly. Right, Kyle? You did say that, right? We already talked about that. Don't call me. Come on. You were just kidding about that. You definitely want people calling you, right? Negative. I'm Now I'm confused. Well, on that note, it's time to bring out today's guest. We are very, very fortunate to have him. He is an Emmy award-winning musical director. He was born in Monroe, Louisiana, home of ULM, where, strangely enough, I have actually done 
two shows in my day. But he spent most of his life in sunny Los Angeles, California. He is primarily self-taught, as I understand it. Studied computer science at UCLA, so obviously much smarter than me. But perhaps left when offered the opportunity to tour with Gladys, excuse me, Gladys Knight and the Pips. He's also toured with everyone from Beyonce to Stevie Wonder, Adele, Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Rihanna, Gwen Stefani, Diana Ross, Aretha Franklin. This list is crazy long and varied. Very, I'm Keith Urban, Carrie Underwood, all over the map. Faith Hill, Jennifer Hudson, Ray Charles, people. Ray Charles, Elton John. I, I this is crazy. Very fortunate to have him on the program. He was also the music director for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He has been on American Idol, Kennedy Center Honored. Again, I could go on for hours. Welcome to the program, Ricky Miner. Come on, man. It's about time. You better get it on. <laughs> Let's go. Sorry to keep you waiting. We had a lot hey. to say today. I, I never know how long it's going to go, how much I'm going to say, and I, I guess today I had a lot. Oh, no, no. You say what you need to say. That's what I'm talking. I'm saying about time that I got the call to be on the show. Oh, oh, really? That's oh, well, we didn't about. know you've been listening, Ricky. Thank you. Come that on, is man. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Well, hey, on a couple of things. I mean, I, I am uh, probably senior to the group, but... I didn't tour with all of those folks. I've worked with them all, but uh, I but I've done done some extensive touring for about about a little over twenty years of touring. So it was definitely in there, uh, hitting the road and and uh, really enjoying the traveling and meeting people and and uh, you know it's just a different world and you get to really see the world. And I'm really like, you know. I just think fondly about that that experience during those years, those years where where and actually, you know, I mean the the fans and the and the concerts that was the only way to get to see them. I mean, you just didn't see them walking through your neighborhood or anything, and they weren't on social media. That you had to go out and see them if you wanted to see them live, and that's the only way to get to see them. And every now and then on television, but live was the was the thing. Well, apologies for not getting your bio 100%, but uh, I agree with everything you just said. If we could then, perhaps you could take us back and you could give us a little more of your of your come up story, of your bio of and and I will say actually, we have only just recently, and this is perhaps to our own detriment, but we have really only just recently started announcing who our guests were going to be mm-hmm. well in advance. And, and this is the first time actually, per Sam, our tech support, he actually gathered fan questions in advance, unsolicited. Not that he went out and asked people, did you have anything to say? We had a couple people reach out and say, oh, you got Ricky coming on? I got questions for him. And one of them really dovetails nicely into the question about your your background and your, your bio, because Josh from Boston was curious if there was a particular moment where you had a big break and things really took off, or if it was more just a continuous 
slow growth. So if you could tell us a little bit about that story, that would be great. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I've, I've thought about this a lot and, and I do a lot of speaking, especially to, to under, underserved communities and schools and kind of just giving them opportunity to, to ask these kind of questions. I, I think that for me, um, this whole math thing, I was into it and I started with, uh, you know, I just love music and I don't remember not ever, you know, responding to uh, this, uh, this, this, the vibrations of music, how it makes you feel. It could be one note, it could be a drum, it could be anything from the music, you know, or just, just a voice alone or a solo horn or, or a big band, whatever it is that really resonates for you. And for me, I just thought, uh, I really love this, but I didn't know that I actually didn't know that there was actually a career, you know, like you mean you could make money doing this? Cause I just love this. So, I mean, I'm sure you can't make money for something you love this much. You gotta like, that's not work. I remember my son used to say with well, that, why do you always say, say you're going, you know, that you're going to work, but then you go, you're going to play. So you don't work. So you don't really work. Right. <laughs> And, you know, I have to answer that. Think about it. I mean, it's not really work. You know, if you do something you love and you're able to make a living, then it's, there's no work really there in terms of the, the, the hardship as you think of work. I got to get up. I got to go to this job. Oh, man, I can't wait till it's over. You know, I can't wait till it starts. So I ended up uh, going to UCLA uh, for math. And, and then it kind of uh, one day it hit me like I came to that fork in the road where I had to to figure out how to make a living, you know, and uh, it was either go the corporate route and stay on that and, and kind of put this music thing in the back or just go for it, all, everything. So I, I left school determined to play and I got a little, little small little back house in Watts and, uh, and stayed there for five years and hustled and worked hard. And, but within the first year, I got my first uh uh, touring gig. My first gig was Gladys Knight and the Pips, and I was I was probably about nineteen then, and um, but I had never been on a plane before. I'd never been anywhere. I mean, I just lived in Watts. We moved there when I was nine from Louisiana, and you know, if I I mean, I never even went on the west side of town. It was just on the east side, and uh, so that was a a big opening for me. Uh, I mean. I didn't know what to expect, and uh, you know a lot of funny stories from that. You know, of of unpacking my clothes and then forgetting to pack them back up in my little suitcase that I bought at the thrift store, and uh, and and then trying to get a taxi to go back and get my clothes. <laughs> you know, so you you make a lot of those green uh, mistakes. You know, but there's no shame in being green. I mean, everyone did did everything for the first time. You know, and uh, then that just led on to other opportunities and. Uh, after Gladys Knight, I ended up um, uh, leaving Gladys uh, because I got uh, uh, the gig doing Dreamgirls, the Broadway play had just come to L.A. And by now I'm like 22, 23 and auditioned for the gig and got it. So after a year of doing that, it closed, got a call the very next day to go out with, Al, with um, Lou Rawls. And... Uh, that lasted for a couple of years. But while I was with Gladys, the very beginning, I met this girl trying to get a record deal. Uh, I was introduced to her and asked, could I put a band together for her? And that was Whitney Houston in 1982. So time keeps moving and I do other things. 
And then I get a call back to work with Whitney uh, while I was working with Lou Rawls. And, uh, you know, hard decision, uh, not really. <laughs> uh, you know, it was like, I was like, but, you know, I mean, but I do have to honestly say during that time, the business part is what a lot of times we miss. Like I learned from the Lou Rawls thing, I had a retainer and I had health benefits. So when it came to negotiate with Whitney, uh, that was some of the things that I asked for. And I, again, if you don't know to ask for it, then you probably, they're not going to just offer it a lot of times. So I was you know, one of the only ones on retainer and one of the only ones uh, with health benefits uh, on that gig. And, uh, and then uh, John Simmons, the music director who called me, died after that first tour. And I became music director for her. And then that was uh, 10 years as, as music director for her on the road. And then we continued to work together once I left the road. But that was, the, that was when I left the road. I did a couple of other, like, you know, uh, short runs with, with Queen Latifah and other people. Uh, but pretty much that was 20 years of being on the road. Well, I, I have so many more questions. And, and this might derail the conversation a little bit. But I have to ask, you're literally the first person that I've ever heard say that they straight up just said, hey, if I'm going to do this, I want health benefits. And they got it. You forgot about the retainer, too. That's a very well, <laughs> But retainers, I mean, they're, they're not common, unfortunately, or as common as we wish. But they're a thing. Like, I, I've, I've literally never heard an, uh, an artist or a music director or anybody say that they wanted health benefits and they got them. I mean, frankly, I know a lot of organizations where nobody in the management structure, no matter how many tens and hundreds of millions of dollars that they're making, that they don't even offer health benefits. It's just, it's, it's always wild to me in this industry, how many people don't, or if they do, they have it on their own rather than through their employer when they're not otherwise working at Live Nation or a record label or one of the major corporations. So, I mean, Ricky, can you speak to that at all? Were there other people in, in Whitney's camp that had this out? How did they, what did they say to that? Did they just say yes? Well, you know, I, when, when I got the call, and, and remember, I knew, I knew her when, when she was 18. So now, by the time I come back to her, this is 1982, it was 1986, is when I got to call to come back. So by then, I think that she she knew she was she was, you know, eighteen years old. And, and the first thing that happened is that no one showed up to the showcase. I mean, she didn't get signed that first time. And but I was you know I was older, <laughs> twenty two, and uh, and she was uh, really thinking, you know, I mean, she really was impressed with me working with Gladys. Like she wanted to know all about it. Like, how was she, how was the road, uh, all of the, all of the things. And we, so we became friends first. And I think that there's a trust there, uh, that the relationship is really what it's about my relationship with her. But then that took to my relationship with her father, who was managing at the time. He's a Virgo. So I know his game. I'm a Virgo as well. So I know exactly you know, what, what he will understand. And I think that it's not the information, it's the presentation. So I didn't threaten to not come, but I said, you know, what, what I would need to, to leave the gig that I'm on, because it was a full retainer plus, plus we got more when we were on the road. So it was, it was one of those things where, 
and I, you know, I didn't want to stay on Lou Rawls and I wasn't going to stay, but, but I think if you express like, this is, is what I, what I need to leave. And you can understand that, that, you know, I have a family, I need health benefits and this job gives me a retainer and health benefits. And, uh, and I think they valued me coming back on the gig and leaving the other gigs that, that I was doing and thought that I would add value to the organization. And then that went on for about 18 months or so uh, of, of, well, the, the touring. Uh, once I got on the gig, we did a couple of tours. We did a stateside. And then by the time she took time off and blah, blah, blah. So by the time I came back as music director, all of that was in place. And then the things that you ask for for the other players, as you look at overall budgets, I mean, remember I was a math major, so numbers is my thing. Like I can, I can get down with numbers so I can really lay out a budget and really take a look and make sure that the, that my team is being taken care of. So, you know, the band and, and the singers, uh, you know, first class travel or business. Uh, and, and, you know, so we, we travel with the artists and we became part of the, the A team you know, uh, the, a, a group, you know, because you have all the groups of, of, of travel, of techs, of, tra- of, of wardrobe, and everyone uh, has their w- different hotels that they stay in. Some need to be close to the venue. I, I just thought they'd be better for us and for her if we were always close to her. And they bought it, <laughs> you know. So it, it's not that they had to do that, you know. But I think that it's, uh, it, again, it's not the information, it's the presentation. And you can come in and they're hard guns blazing. And if I don't get this, I'm out of here. And you probably will be out of here because it's, you know, it's a way, it's a way, the power of, of, of connecting and, and making sure, I mean, sometimes it's just make, making them feel like it's their idea. Like, Hey, look what I did. You know, I put them all first class and I put them on retainers and I gave them health benefits and, you know, and so for them, it was, they, they were, they knew that, having the camp happy. Now, of course, that doesn't go on anymore. And a lot of that, even the salaries were enormous, you know, and we were talking about in the days with, with Michael Jackson and Sting, I mean, where the, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the musicians in some cases were getting a daily rate of being on the road anywhere from two to three, sometimes $4,000 a day. And so the money was flowing freely and everyone was making a lot of money. The labels were making money and the concerts were selling out. And you had, you know, 10 nights at Radio City Music Hall or, or four nights at, uh, in, at, at, at Wembley uh, Arena or, or doing a concert at, at Wembley Stadium. I mean, I remember going to see Michael Jackson. Same thing, three days, stadiums, all stadiums. And uh, so the money was flowing. So... I think at that time, they, they, the trickle-down was actually working. Well, kudos to you for having the, the acumen and the wherewithal to ask for all those things. And, I mean, what you just said is gold in terms of being able to sit at that negotiating table and make the them think it's their idea. Kyle, you, you, you picking up on this? You like to bust my go- balls about negotiation and talk about your money. Are you, you learning anything here? You writing this down? I've learned a lot from Ricky over the years, and I know that hey, that's why I fight for what I fight for. You know, I got to keep my pockets retained if possible, so when right. the money stays right. You know, I got to fly a certain way. You know, and my salary needs it needs to make sense for me and my family. 
Right. You know, if I'm gonna be, yeah. I'm gonna be gone for you know a year, not say a year straight, but you know twelve months or ten months out of the year, you know it has it has to make sense for my family for, and for me. So that's why I am the way that I am, and it comes from listening from afar and being in the presence of Ricky that gave me that wherewithal to do what I do and to maneuver the way that I do. And also, I'm a Virgo as well. August thirty first, September sixth. Watch out. There it is. <laughs> but 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 to to his note to to what Kyle was saying. I mean, there's a there's a way. Like you know, in the beginning, I made this big deal when I got the gig with Whitney, and I negotiated all those things. But what I didn't understand uh, was the big business part of it. So what I negotiated for the band was you know big numbers, and 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 for myself, I thought it was big because I'd never been a music director, so. I figured like, okay, well, I'm the leader. I should get, you know, maybe double what everybody else is getting. That sounds good to me. Uh, And only to find out when I had an attorney look over the deal that, you know, he said, the first thing he said is, here's, here's, this is a good number. This is a good number that you, that you have. But he also had negotiated the Michael Jackson deals and, uh, and a lot of other big entertainment deals. So, I wasn't privy to that, you know, and that's not really my, what I do. Mm-hmm. Like I can do numbers, but I don't, I don't know what's going on in the industry in terms of at that level. And he said, but here's the problem. You are, are, are saying that this is what, what, how much you need to do it. And you're looking at yourself as uh, a work for hire, but you need to look at yourself like Coca-Cola, you're a big business with 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 uh, with all levels of employment. So that if they need more, then they pay for more. Mm-hmm. So you're not factoring in the fact that when the gig is over, everyone else goes out to 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 dinner, to the club, whatever, and and on days off, they're off. You're never off. If the artist calls and wants to make a change in the show, want to add something, they had other gigs coming up that you've got to advance. You're always going to be working, so you never accounted for that. Mm-hmm. You so looked at you looked at as you're doing a recording session, you get double scale because you're the leader. So, so you had no concept of it, you know, of of what it's going to take for you and what you need as a retainer, the amount. I mean, we were able to negotiate after that first run, but you know, again, I think that it's important to seek out help when it comes to. Because all of us, you you don't know what you don't know. There it is. I like that. So, Sam, our tech support, pulled a great quote actually about you that I'd like to uh, to ask you about, and and I actually did reference it in the opening. Uh, the quote reads: "I think that success is readily available for all of us." The biggest thing is to learn quickly how to get out of our own way. And that's something that I'm thankful for, that I recognize that the only thing stopping me is me. Mm-hmm. Tell us what you mean by that. Well, uh, a lot of people go, well, I want, you know, I, I want, I want, I want. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that everyone is worth your time. But not everybody's ready for it. So in that same way, someone who you're interested in hiring 
may not be ready at that time. That doesn't mean that they're never going to be ready, but you have to make as a, as a, uh, and, and you guys are in a leadership position when you can hire you, it, it's a lot of factors. It's not just a skill. Are you, are, are you, are you qualified? Are you able to get along with other people? What's your disposition? I mean, are you really like that, that angry every day, all day? And is that come with it? Because we, you know, we're going to be living together on the road. So you need to be able to get along with everyone. And, and if you need some quote unquote time off, then hang in your room and take, work it out, you know, work out whatever's, whatever's going on. We're all going through something, you know, no one's without the, the stress of life and family and, and health and all those things. So I think that the, the thing that I think when I think about success, uh, you know, happiness is not having what you want, but wanting what you have. So if you can uh, change your disposition to where your gratitude is first, then you're good because you're happy to be there. You're, you're not complaining about being there because my thing is, if, if I'm not having a good time, I could leave. I mean, I really could. I could just really resign and just say, hey, I'm going to move on. Thank you for the time and keep moving on. I don't have any jobs that I've done, at least that I know of, that I can't go back to. I mean, a lot of my clients, they call back and they call back again. And it's it's not just the music. The music is is one part of it. I mean, you know, if the music sounds good, great. But it's it's the relationship that that and the trust. You know, you don't get someone's trust and then and then abuse it, you know. I mean, they're trusting they're trusting us to make them look good, sound good, all of that every time. And they pay a lot of people to tell them how great they are. They don't need me to do that. I mean, I'm just seeing a lot of people, hairstylists or whatever. I mean, they're, they're friends. I don't, I don't need friends. I'm here to work. We, we're friendly. But none of these people I consider, very few actually, I consider are friends because I don't talk to them unless we're working. So we're not hanging out. you know. And I don't need that. I don't need to be best friends with an artist and we can just hang out. You know, I don't, I don't really... I don't need that. And they don't need it either, you know. So tell us about the uh, the transition from being a bass player to becoming a music director. And, and along those lines, another fan question we got from Jacob in Germany is, what are the practical skills and talents that someone should develop to pursue a career as a music director? Um. Well, I can answer both those at the same time. So the for me, uh, I think that you uh, that we all have a calling, you know, and so your your personality and your ability to lead has to be innate. You can learn to do a job, but to do a job really well. I mean, it, I mean, we, I know we were talking about LeBron earlier, you know, I mean, that's his calling. You know what I mean? He's going to be. I mean, Michael Jordan, all these people who, who are, are find success in it, that's their calling. And so they answered it and they were able to excel in it. So I say, look at what you want to do and see if that's something that resonates with you. Would you be uh, at the level you needed to be in order to work professionally? You can still be a leader, but leading like it's a difference between leading your band and then leading some 300 people, not only on, on tour, but on stage and on, on these uh, big 
big ticket award shows and things where, or, or Super Bowl when there's like tons, you know, I think, I think the, 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 the Grammys and those shows anywhere between three, 400 people, but something like the Super Bowl is, is massive. I mean, it's close to 2000 and it's a lot of people working. So, you know, you kind of have to work your way and figure out what that is. The skills you would have to be is leadership, organization, uh, be able to deal with budgets. And then you have to, to be able to respond and, and uh, encourage, motivate, and, uh, and let them, you know, let your, your, the people who work with you have them contribute at the highest level. You're going to need everyone. You know, when they say, when you're on the ship, you're out to sea, all hands on deck. Everyone needs to be carrying their weight and then some and, and covering the gap because otherwise something will slip through. You're only one person. So make sure you just surround yourself with the best people you can find and, and create an environment that's inclusive and, and, uh, and that everyone understands what the goal is. And our, our commitment is only one thing, commitment to excellence. We're going to all do our best in that moment and then let it be. And then wait for the next moment to another opportunity to do a better job than that, you know, and that's, that's uh, what you need. And that's kind of what I think. So tell us a little more about that though. I mean, talk to us about the process of putting together a team. Well, you know, I, I, uh, it's, it's not something that I'm proud of, but I probably hired, uh, fired more people than I've hired. And that's not something of pride. It's just that, uh, again, like I said before, every, everyone uh, is worth your time, but everyone's not ready. So everyone's not ready for a, gig, a big gig like that. So either they're, it may be musical, it may be their, their disposition. Um, it, it may, it, one of the big, big things for me, and anyone that knows me understands, I don't do late. Like, I just don't do it. And so if you're late, you might as well just stay home uh, because there's, there's no excuse for being late. There's, there's millions of dollars being spent and you, you say, oh, I overslept or my car broke down or all these excuses, but it's poor planning. I mean, if I'm an hour early to anything that I'm going to, I'm late. In my mind, I'm late. So I, I prepare for that. So I'm up early if I have somewhere to go, and it kind of started with my upbringing. My grandmother never, like I don't use alarm clock. My grandmother never used alarm clock. She never woke me up, and that's who I lived with when I was a young kid. And she said, like, I'm not going to wake you up. You know you have somewhere to go. So if you're late, that's that's your problem. you know. And so I, I'm an early riser. Even if I go to bed late, I'm up early because that's the worst thing to me. That's like the end of the world if I'm late. <laughs> I mean, I, it's, it's that serious to me. Like, I'm like, I can't be late. And then as a leader, what are you showing? So that's, that's when you talk about being a leader. You can't be a leader and, and, and you're the one that's late and unprepared, no plan. So I stay up. I lay out the plan of rehearsal, what we're covering today, the order of what we're doing. I mean, you know, you have to be meticulous in, meticulous in, in planning. I don't know that, uh, that, that the putting a band together. And so it's the personalities as you audition people, uh, it's them being on time. It's, uh, how singers, how they blend together, uh, drums and bass, that's the pocket. So if that groove is not, not, and I've played with some amazing like world famous drummers, we just didn't connect. 
You know, some drummers may feel uh, the, play on top, some play behind, and, if, and, and a lot of it is. Uh, I think some in the past, at least, it was East Coast, West Coast. You know, where the West Coast players were more laid back, but the but the uh, East Coast player had had some fire and urgency. So it's just finding that balance of uh, of of what where the pocket is and make sure the rhythm section is good. And then just make sure everyone can can handle their job and, and get along. And you find, you know, there's a lot of great, great players and, and, the, and the great players uh, and musicians and singers and artists uh, and, and sound people. I mean, everyone working, uh, you have to have an ego to believe in it, but you can't have uh, such a big ego that you're the, you're right all the time and no one else is. So it's, it's personalities. I had one guy on a, on a gig and uh, it was a TV show and we'd tape at five in the morning. I wasn't on it, but I had put it together and I get a call saying, Hey, we had a five o'clock call. And, and, and one of the crew guys saw the guy coming in at four o'clock in the morning had been out all, you know, was in New York and he's from New York and had been out all night with his friends and hanging out, totally missed the lobby call, had to get security to open the door. And of course, as soon as that gig was over, it wasn't even, it wasn't even go back to the hotel, bring your stuff with you. Cause after this tape and you're, we're sending you home. There it is. Yeah. You can't do that. Respect the gig. I have to say, when I first worked, <laughs> uh, wait, hold on, I, hold on. I don't know no, if I'm not, ready. Go ahead. No, this, is, this is good stuff because I remember we had worked together on quite a few things, but I was never part of your camp per se, so I didn't know, you know, how you maneuver and how you roll. I just knew, you know, you had to be on time at X, Y, Z, and I remember we were doing some stuff for Stevie, and you said hit it. But luckily for me, my my workflow, I'm always in record. I'm always just ready to go. I mean, I stay ready so I have to get ready. And you said hit it. And then everybody played. Then you said moving on. All right, moving on. Because most gigs, they may work on a record or or song part portion for, you know, a few hours. Not in Ricky's camp. You rock it. You learn. You come. You already come to rehearsal already rehearsed. You guys are just playing it as a unit one time, and then you're off to the next record. I was like, "Yo, you said you got that right," and I remember I said, "Yeah," but I had <laughs> some, some nervousness in my voice. I was like, "Yo, did I really get that?" Luckily, I did because you kept going. It was no take two, take three, take four. It's once and done. And, you know, when Ricky says down be that noon and we're done at eight, you're down be that noon and you're done at 7.59. And we out. You don't waste time. And it's unfortunate because a lot of her rehearsals have a lot of burnt energy. You go, you're supposed to be there at noon. You're supposed to finish at eight or whatever. The band doesn't start till three. And then you finish at midnight. And there's so much idle time wasted in rehearsals, but nah, not in a Ricky rehearsal. You in and out is like a job, but it's fun. It's a fun job, but it's time. To, you know, time isn't free. Time is money, and he definitely is a stickler for for being on time and and, and knocking it out and being done with it because it shouldn't. T- it's not rocket science, as he says. So I agree with that. Punctuality is is <laughs> not a game. Yeah, well, you know, it, I'll tell you uh, the thing about. And I think people don't really realize it, but 
being on time is not about about you. It's about respecting everyone else's time. Correct. And so, so that level of respect shows, you know, you can't get there after the artist gets there. How, how does that work? Mm-hmm. I mean, tell me how that's going to work out if you continue doing that. So, and we know the answer to that. Uh, but also, I don't believe in rehearsing or practicing. I believe in playing. So we come to play. So mm-hmm. we're going to play it. And if there's a couple of things that need to be to- uh, fixed or whatever, we talk about it. We may play it again. But I need it to be authentic. And re- I don't need it to be super overly rehearsed to where you're not even digging in and you're not being creative and you're not letting the moments happen. You know, the guitar player plays this. Oh, then I play that. I mean, you know, and so there's a conversation going on. How many times can you rehearse a conversation and let it, and it and it's real? I mean, the actors on the read through, they can't do do, you know, 20 takes of, of, of one scene. It has to be real and authentic. And that's how I feel about us playing. Now, you know, I have some artists, I mean, Stevie, one in particular who doesn't have a real time thing, uh, just he comes when he comes and you know that, but then it's his music. So he knows it, you know? Right. So we're the ones that have to be uh, tighter. And on that particular gig, there were two bands. So Kyle had, you right. know, we, we had, two and sometimes three or four of, of, of like the guitar players I had two he has two uh, we I, I have three horns he's got three horns so the thing was is that we were going through playing different albums so uh you know we we decided okay well my guys will play these these songs from this album and his band will play these from this album and there's songs that we all play together so it you know it's always a, a pretty exciting thing working with someone like Stevie who is you know well, everything. So yeah. it was a massive band. I mean, it was a lot of inputs, but again, I had to be on point because <laughs> the pressure was so heavy that I forgot what was going on. But I was just like, "Yo, this is this is intense." But it was. But I guess from and and I, that's why well, that's one of the things I said when I was rocking with Prince. I took away. You know, nothing can, can can stress you out. You know, you just have to adapt to every situation. And I think that may at the time have been the biggest live inputs list that I've ever had to deal with. Because we it was literally two bands of everything, duplicate or, or even triple of everything. So it, it was quite a bit. And, you know, it was it could be overwhelming. But again, it's not for everybody. But I came in there. I was focused. I was ready, and did again with all of the the uh, the situations prior leading up to that, to getting that phone call to do to do this show. You know, that's why I say, you know, we our salaries are being we we're paid for peace of mind. You know, Ricky knew that I was going to come in there and rock out. He didn't have to think about am I going to be ready. He knew I was going to be ready, and so that's why I come back to you, Matt, and saying these numbers that you be giving us. You gotta step it up, baby. <laughs> Don't get quiet now. <laughs> Always negotiating. <laughs> hey. You're paying for peace of mind. You're paying right. for comfort. Listen, if 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 you don't ask, chances are no one's going to think about that. Not to say that 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 they won't do it, but if you don't ask, I mean, you know, uh, the uh, squeaky oil. I mean, squeaky wheel gets the oil. So if, if you don't make any noise, then it's like. You all right, Will? Go on down the road. <laughs> you fine. Mm-hmm. You'll be okay. Yeah, you'll be all right. But I think that you know, it's it's uh, 
it, there's there's a reasonable thing. I mean, now uh, as we face COVID and is live music and and televised and, and the world over, every business is highly affected. So I think it's just a time for to me for reset and reevaluating. I mean, I was already kind of on to uh, more more writing and more creating, and not only on the music side but on the television side, on the film side uh, of, of of writing. Uh, you know, I animated short uh, and then uh, animated features. So, I mean, it's you've got to use your creativity and expand your brain and try some new things. I'm not saying that they're for everyone, but if, if you find yourself, um, you know, where you, it's hard to get motivated, look at other things you're interested in and, and do those things so that they will inspire you. Because there's a lot out in the world to inspire if we sit inside our, our room and, and, uh, and, and, you know, I, I heard earlier about the, uh, social media or hadn't really been on, but I'm like more so on a news and social media diet. So I don't, I don't feel the need to know every detail about every single thing that happens and then all of the pundits and their interpretation of it. So I know the big news. I know the things I need to know. Uh, and I keep, up on that, you know, basically once a week where I spend a, a moment and really calibrate and see, but it's, it's for me personally, it's too much for my nervous system. Like I can't, I can't take reading about, uh, every detail of, of someone being shot, uh, or every detail of something being taken away or, or abuse in any form. Um, and, uh, so I know what I need to know and, and I'm doing what, what I can do from where I sit. And that's being active behind the scenes and making things happen, and working with with uh, uh, with with the administration, uh, with you know, with the DNC, and doing all those things where where I've done before, you know, and just stay engaged in that way, you know, with uh, with the people who are actually making things happen and making the decisions. I think that's smart. And I want to get back to actually, you know, you were alluding to where things are going and, you know, what people can be doing. I want to get back to that, actually, because first, before we get away from the conversation about, you know, musicians and and assembling that band and assembling that team and, you know, Kyle was making his pitch that he'd be hired for the next gig and what have you. Aside from all wow. of that, blah, 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 uh, <laughs> I, I'm very curious Ricky, if you could talk to us about, you know, what you see in the new musicians, the the next generation of musicians coming up and any differences that you perceive in comparison to, you know, some of the older generation, the, the OG musicians that have been with us for a long time. Are there, you know, distinctions or are there differences you can point to? Are there caveats that young people should avoid any any thoughts along those lines yeah well i think that now it's it's wide open i mean you know before you had to pick a genre that you wanted to play i want to play jazz i'm a jazz uh, player i'm a i'm a pop guy i'm an r&b uh i like to just play covers i'm a, I'm a cover band guy i love that uh i'm i, I want to play with a symphony with an orchestra and so I'm going to, going to get that type of education, that kind of experience. Uh, but now, uh, because of technology, 
we're global. Like it's not just the guys in your block or the guys in your town or the guys in your country. Like you can literally make music all by yourself or with people all over the world in an instant. So I think that the opportunities are are more now. And I, I think that basically anyone can, the, the good thing is anyone can write a song and put it up uh, and post it and, and release it. Uh, the bad news is that anyone can write a song and put it up and post it. So it makes it hard to find great material because now you have to basically wade through everything to find the great you know, the great material, because there's so much, there's so much content now. Uh, but for the musicians, I think that find what, what, what resonates for you, what you love, if it's film scoring, if it's playing, and if it's a, a, a lot of those things, then find, find, you know, you have to find your community, find your people. They're out there, you know, people who, who are like-minded with you, who want to make music, who believe in, and uh, no boundaries, no, 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 and the lines are now all blurred, and and we've got country and hip hop, and and classical, and 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 jazz, and 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 merengue. I mean, you have all these like different cultural uh, musics that are all melding. Uh, so you know, if, if you have Latin pop or Latin hip hop, uh, so it's 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 anyone's game. It's art. So there's no there are no rules. Make your rules as you go and you go, I like this. I'm going to work hard and try to create this because uh, the creativity is, is uh, boundless. Well, speaking of making rules as you go then, I mean, coming out of this coronation, I mean, what, what's next for, for live touring in, in your opinion? Where, what is going to be? What, what's it going to be you know, when we get back? What do you, what do you see? What do you think? What do you suggest? I, yeah, I think that, you know, when we get the live part of it, people, look, human beings need music. It's not just what they crave. They need it. You know, I mean, no matter what mood you're in, you put on a, a certain type of record and it helps to alter your moods and it's healing. So we all need it and we need people. So I, I know that initially is, I know like Austin City Limits is starting to film now and you know they're they're doing with no audience, and uh, but you know it's I think it's going to be small, little by little. Different TV shows are starting, doing virtual, but you know the the energy is 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 the people in the room. That's where all the the performers and the artists, I mean, and the audience, they you know they vibe off each other. That's the magic of live music, and uh, so I I believe it's going to come back, but I I think it's going to be pretty slow. It's going to be uh, and it needs to be slow so that that uh, we're we're uh, being responsible and not just, hey, let's go do a concert and put all these lives in danger just because we can. And we know that people will come because we're a big ticket artist. You know, they're they're not they're not going to put themselves or, or their fans at risk. So I think it's going to we're going to need some time. It's uh, I'm hoping I'm hoping uh, midsummer next year. Midsummer next year sounds uh, <laughs> sounds I, I a ways away, but it also, I mean, <laughs> some respects it sounds ambitious. In some respects, it sounds uh, sounds great to me. That that means we're hopefully working by early Q two in preparation. And yeah, uh, yeah exactly. 
that's what that's what I'm hoping. I, and here's the thing: is that the the problem is that uh, you know we don't have uh, a uh, regulation in the plan to 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 so we can't trace it because we're releasing people out and then we don't know all the people that they've uh, been in contact with. So we're losing the battle because the school's open. And you said how many people uh, uh, from, you, you mentioned one co- college earlier. It was a, a big number, 150 or, or something like that. Oh, but no, you- that, that was the school with the small number. The one that I didn't talk about today, but we've talked about before was the school in North Georgia that had 560 cases yeah. in the first few days. North Carolina Chapel Hill had a 20, uh, 120 coming out of one party, which is what I mentioned a little right. while ago. And, but how many people did that 120 infect? You know what I'm saying? So we don't, we don't, we're not tracing it because they're, 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 uh, uh, people are, are, are asymptomatic. So you don't know and say, well, I got tested yesterday, so I'm good. But that doesn't mean you're good, period. If, if you're not quarantining and staying or spending more time, uh, you know, in quarantine, if you say, I'm good, so I'm going to the beach, I'm going, I'm going to the restaurants, I'm not wearing a mask. I'm going to see my elderly grandmother and all the people in the in the uh, in the old folks home who get it and their children came to see them. I mean, you know, it's just like it's uh, it's until we get it under control, it's going to be a while. And I think it's going to be a while even once we have it under control where we feel safe enough to go out and sit in a theater next to someone else that we never met or, or stand shoulder to shoulder, you know, uh, on, on the floor parting away uh, to Coldplay. You know, well, I can only hope people proceed with caution because we could talk all day long about how right you are that in the absence of a plan, there is a lot we don't know in the in the effort to suppress data and information. We are doing the opposite of contact tracing. And it's just fucking terrible. But again, we we seem to agree. So no need uh, preaching to the choir. We could have that conversation for hours. Let me ask you one more question, actually. I got one more thing, and then we'll go into our quick hits. You've been an amazing guest. You've been with us for well over an hour already. We don't want to take up too much of your time, but I do want to ask, you actually, you wrote a book about about 10 years ago now, There's No Traffic on the Extra Mile. Tell us a little about that. Yes, yeah, that's something my grandmother used to say to me. And, you know, I was doing American Idol at the time, and they did a Ameri- uh, chicken soup for the, Amer- for the American Idol soul. So after that book came out, that was my page, was No Traffic on the Extra Mile. And uh, it's something my grandmother used to always tell me is that, you know, if you do more than what's expected of you, then, you know, there are plenty of people who just want to show up and punch in and punch out and leave. But give them more than what they're expect- expecting and you won't really have any competition. I mean, you're, the only competition you really have is you. It's about a, a personal best each time. So don't worry about what they're doing over or on, you know, behind you or on the side. Just, just look forward and work hard. Keep your head down and work hard. His words. I like it. So moving into our quick hits, I believe you already answered this first one, but your first tour, was that Gladys or otherwise? Gladys Knight and the Pips. Copy that. And if you could tell us about either a favorite tour or a favorite moment or experience, what would that be? Um, You know, there are a lot of moments. I mean, the Whitney, uh, the, the, 
the Whitney stuff was was one was one huge ride, and uh, it basically changed my life forever uh, and set me on a course of having a career. You know, because until then you're just you're on the road, and and you know you never know that the artist may want to change the whole band and and get a a younger band or or a, just a different band, a different they want a different flavor, and that's their prerogative. So you're at the mercy of being on the road, and then you come off the road, and you then you're trying to find your way at home. So uh, I think my favorite tour was probably after I had been music director for Whitney. I went on tour with Al Jarreau, and it was my favorite tour because you know that's really uh, I was you know uh, I played all the different types of music, but I really loved. Uh, jazz. Uh, and, and when I started playing bass, I started like really listening to a lot of jazz music, whatever. But it, not only was I playing jazz uh, with, a, with a killing band uh, and Aldro singing, uh, but I wasn't the leader. I like didn't, I didn't have to do anything but play and just enjoy playing, you know. So that's a, that's a, a thing to be able to split to two because I, I, when it comes to the music, when I'm working on shows or, or things, I'm, I'm the last one uh, to to learn my parts because I'm getting all the other the arrangements together and working with the artists and working with the sound and the lighting and and shows like li- uh, live TV stuff like the Oscars and and Grammys and and those type of live event specials you know it's live live so you have there's no fix it you know uh, so when when I'm on tour. Uh, it's great to not have to think about anything else but just playing bass. So I, I, I really enjoyed that. And we toured all of Europe and was there for like three months. And and I didn't have to answer any calls or talk to anybody about anything, just play. You know? <laughs> Copy that. So my favorite question is this. If there's any one thing about the industry you'd like us to do better, what is it? I think uh, healthcare, you know, and mental health uh, as well. I'm not, and I would say healthcare, I mean all of it, physical, mental. It's grueling being on the road and it's grueling being away from your family. And psychologically, how do you deal with that? I had people on the road and where their family members got sick and, you know, and they weren't able to go home because uh, they were out on tour. And, uh, or by the time they got home, it was too late by the time they worked out all the details. Uh, but I think that we just need to do a, a better job of taking care of each other and checking in, you know, because sometimes you, we, you get into your own world because you're dealing with what you're dealing with. But I think it would help to have uh, uh, some group sessions. And I don't mean thinning sessions, just kind of how you're doing and really honest without judgment, you know, honest talks if you can, uh, if you can't, you know, get. Um, uh, someone that can make sure that you're healthy in all ways and, and physically as well. Cause I mean, you can get lured into gig, eat, drink, pass out, <laughs> you know, gig, eat, drink, pass out. And uh, so I think that, that both things really, I, I would, I wish that we took better care of each other and ourselves. Well, 
if I'm being honest, that is my favorite answer. And uh, if this was the family feud, I would be telling you that is the number one answer on the board <laughs> of all of our guests so far. So take solace in that, I, and I hope it comes true. Um, I usually don't ask this one because you've imparted so much wisdom already. I'm going to anyway. Do you have any additional wisdom to impart on our listeners today? Well, I would just uh, um, add to to the sh- the happiness that each of us have inside of it. It's there. You were born with it, and I think that we have to find a way to get back. Each of us individually now to get back to that that wonderment and that excitement of life. I mean, uh, you know, I may not have. Uh, um, a, uh, a nice car, but it's my car and I worked hard for it and I appreciate it. So if we practice, the only attitude is gratitude and stay grateful for each moment, then you, you just end up having a better life, uh, uh, and, and which is a better time with yourself because that's where the, the fight is not the outside world. You know, take care of the inside of you. It's inside out, never outside in. So all the noise from the world, if you take all that inside, then that's who you are. But if you live from the inside out, then you put out that joy. I mean, you know, we're doing what we love to do. I mean, who, who gets to do that? You know, we do. So there has to be some gratitude. And so if you put that first, then the problems really aren't in, in any problems. They're just a situation that needs to be handled and move on. Don't hold on to anything that doesn't serve you or make you better. I love it. Wise words. Ricky Miner, you've been amazing. We'll get you out of here on this. Any shout outs or parting shots? Hey, uh, this is for the lovers player. <laughs> no, man, it's, it's, it's for everybody, man. This is love. And, and I appreciate being on, on this uh, with you guys, man. I mean, it's important that we share these thoughts and these moments uh, because it's hard to, to, to know these things, especially if you're starting out or even if you've been on it for a while, sometimes we get jaded, you know, it's like, ah, another gig, ah, here we go. Same show, same, same thing. And, uh, you don't have to be there. Like if you really are not having a good time, leave, go do something else. It's your life. I love that. I do. Kyle, you got anything you want to add here today? You know what? This has been a balanced conversation. We talked about workflow, keeping your mind right, listening to the wisdom of Ricky Miner today. And at the end of the day, I'm good. I'm balanced out. I can't get no more zen than this today. <laughs> there it is. Now, it it's funny because when we had Chris Johnson on, you were really bothered by the fact that he was taking that zen-like approach today. Ricky's just kind of lulled you into submission. It's uh, kind of a different uh, different response out of you. Well, you know, as of, as of right now, my Lakers are balanced. The Raiders are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, I just found, I just saw an email saying that the uh, Rams stadium, Charger stadium, is not going to have anybody in there for the first for this upcoming football season. So I'm kind of hurt that my season tickets won't go anywhere this year. Mm. And uh, you know, it's just 
I just wish everybody would just put on a goddamn mask and we can at least get back to some sense of normalcy without people talking about you're infringing on their 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 their, their uh, right of passage to do anything. It's like okay, you can't you can't walk into a supermarket or a grocery store without a shirt and shoes. You can't do it. You, you don't have people talking about, I can't, I don't have to wear a shirt. I don't have to wear shoes. Just wear a damn mask. And we can at least get back to some sense of normalcy. Normal is different now. I'm tired of hearing new normal. I just want to get back to some sense of being able to go get a haircut. Just just to be able to live. Because right now, we, we can't live. And this is, 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 is out of control. Well, I'll agree with you on all of that. What about you, Dallas? Any Any parting shots from you today? No, I think Ricky's been very insightful and it's great to hear a legend, uh, you know, give some insight to what makes it all work. But otherwise, you know, I miss our world. I can't wait to get back to it. Wearing masks, wash your hands, do whatever the hell it takes. Let's get back there. I miss the fact that, you know, I miss hearing the crowds go nuts, looking at our principals do their thing. Um, I miss it all. Don't miss catering necessarily, but or showers in certain venues. But don't miss catering at all. <laughs> and there's those certain showers in those certain venues that definitely don't want to ever see again. But yeah, let's do it. Let's get back out there. You know. Well, there you have it, Ricky Miner, the man, the myth, myth, the legend. You've been amazing, Dallas, Kyle. Appreciate you, Banks. We miss you yet again. Shout out to our brother Banks. Uh, Sorry you couldn't be with us. I believe he will be back with us on the very next episode. So to our listeners, he is uh, not far, and he will be back. So fear not. We appreciate our listeners. We appreciate everyone out, out everyone else out there. Uh, as Dallas said, as Kyle said, as Ricky said, please wear a mask. We talk about washing your hands like, hello, you're not fucking six years old. Just wash your fucking hands. And to everyone, no matter what you believe, and it's easy for me to say that because I doubt there are a whole lot of uh, far right listening fascists on this program. But even you motherfuckers and everyone else, vote, please. It is your right. It is your responsibility. It is all of our responsibility to be the change that we want to see in this world. Get out, get active, get off your fucking ass and do something positive. And on that note, thank you all and good night.